Blazers Nation, this is Jack Winter of Clutch Points, your Portland Trailblazers beat writer, and you are listening to episode 9 of Talking Trailblazers. We're recording this episode on Monday morning, March 7th. The Blazers have lost two more games by double digits since last week's show. At least a small silver lining there. They were competitive in the fourth quarter against the Minnesota Timberwolves on Saturday, even coming within a point of many midway through the fourth quarter, largely on the back of Anthony Simons and Brandon Williams. After the game, Chauncey Phillips talked about how everyone in the locker room should be proud of their play, not only considering Portland's major talent deficit, but also the fact that Portland dressed just eight players. I'm going to say that again. They dressed eight players against Minnesota. Josh Hart was resting, and then Greg Brown III and Elijah Hughes were both suffering from non-COVID illnesses. And the fact that Portland should be proud of its play was also a sentiment shared by Simons and Williams after the game. Williams showed some major juice, major playmaking juice, uh, scoring a career-high 21 points in the first leg against the Timberwolves, while Ant poured in 38 points before slowing down a little bit late, but it looked like he would uh, eclipse his career-high of 43 there for a bit, but came up just short with 38 now, remember, the Blazers will get another shot at Mini later today in the second half of their two-game set at Target Center, and they will welcome back Hart, Hughes, and Brown to the lineup. Unfortunately, at least if you're looking for a win, don't expect a different result. Not only is Portland dressing at most just 10 players in this rematch, but the Blazers are sitting Simons with a left quad contusion. Ant talked about teams getting more and more physical with him as his star keeps rising as Portland's primary ball handler, and it seems like that associated, associated wear and tear has finally caught up to him. But let's be honest, another reason Simons isn't playing on Monday, the Blazers are brazenly tanking as much as any team in the league. And as hard as that may be for some fans to stomach, especially as double-digit losses keep piling up, tanking away the season's remainder is definitely the right decision for Portland. And not only because the Blazers will keep their first-round pick and improve their position in the lottery by doing so, but also because they've still been able to flash a burgeoning identity over the last few weeks despite so much, so much roster upheaval. And Chauncey Billups and his coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for that. And they, mostly Chauncey, will be the subject of our first segment on the show right after our quick break. Coming up right now, this is Jack Winter of Clutch Points, and you are listening to Talking Trailblazers. We'll be right back. We're back with Talking Trailblazers, and in this segment of the show, we want to focus a bit on what Chauncey Billups has done during his rookie season on the Blazers' sideline, specifically over the last six to eight weeks or so. Portland is 25-38 and 38 as we record this episode in 11th place in the Western Conference. Their league-leading run of eight consecutive playoff berths is obviously bound to end this season, and it goes without saying that the Blazers won't hit their preseason over under a 44.5 wins either. After all, there are just 19 games, incredibly, left in the regular season. Obviously, the Blazers didn't meet expectations in 2021-22, but anyone even passively following the team understands the context behind that development. Damian Lillard's career were struggles to start the season, Mark 
that development most. And remember, he missed multiple two-week stretches before going down for good on January 3rd and then having what seems like season-ending abdominal surgery on January 13th. But just a quick reminder of the gravity of his struggles, Dame shot 30.4%, 30.4 on 7.1 pull-up threes per game before being sidelined. There are 31 players taking at least 3.0 pull-up triples per game per NBA.com, and Dame's 30.4% ranked 26th of those 31 players. That's just an untenable blend of usage and results, and Dame was still the Blazers' on-off offensive belt offensive bellwether when he was playing a uh, real testament to his to his impact and how he drives efficient offense even when he's struggling uh, and then chauncey obviously hasn't been helped by a rotation so light on quality defensive players that he copped to that reality multiple times in public before december it's no coincidence that the blazers got much stingier defensively when grinders like hart and justice winslow joined the fold affording them not just more versatility on defense and specifically the ability to switch one through four or even one through five at times which the blazers did before um, during their pre-All-Star surge, their 4-0 surge before the All-Star All -Star break, but also a collective approach that emphasized the importance of that side of the ball. The Blazers have finally, finally begun developing that. Now, at the beginning of the season, remember, the, the Blazers' incumbent veterans, they knew what was likely to come at the trade deadline. They knew this was likely their last run, and the writing was on the wall for how they were playing. Um, for how there were, excuse me, the writing was on the wall for their future, for their, their playoff future, given how they were playing. Now, how many times early this season did Billups have to call out the effort of his starters, pointedly call out the effort of his starters? It's no coincidence that hustle, intensity, and commitment haven't been an issue for the Blazers since the deadline when they made so many personnel moves completely overhauling the roster. Uh, it's not normal. Let's just say that for a for an NBA head coach to publicly question the effort of his players multiple times, let alone once. And that's but that's what Billups had to do had to do early in the season, and he certainly hasn't had to do it recently. And then certainly don't forget that Portland was absolutely ravaged by injuries and COVID nineteen absences before the deadline. Dame missed that time, uh, two weeks in late November due due to pain in his midsection. Then the first two weeks of January before being shut down. C.J. McCollum missed a full month of December and into January with a collapsed lung. Cody Zeller was also absent all of December, and almost everyone on the pre-deadline roster was at one point in health and safety protocols, sometimes missing multiple games. Point being, the stars didn't exactly align for Billups to have success in his first season in Rip City. But there's more reason for optimism than the Blazers, circum than the Blazers current circumstances suggest, and much of that is due to Billups' palpable influence on his ever-changing team. To put it colloquially, the vibes in Portland are just far, far better than they've been, and certainly far better than they've been... Uh, Far better than you'd think, given Portland's record right now. And again, the brazen tanking the Blazers are the Blazers are engaged in over the last six weeks of the season here. Remember that Yusuf Nurkic in December 
multiple times he questioned his offensive role and admitted frustration. He wanted more touches on the block. That was a big talking point during the preseason that the Blazers would indeed make Nurk more of an offensive hub. And it just didn't happen over the first six weeks, two months of the season. But even as Nurk was Nurk was lamenting that development, he still expressed confidence in Chauncey and the coaching staff, saying that he liked to play for Bill that he liked playing for Billups and still believed in what the Blazers were doing. Now, just before he went down with plantar fasciitis two weeks ago, Nurk was getting more touches as a result of those absences, and he was noting how much fun the Blazers were having. When was the last time you heard players talk about fun in Portland? Justice Winslow is, prob Justice Winslow is probably one of those players who would talk about fun. He's mentioned multiple times since being traded to Portland that he wants to stay with the Blazers. He He's talked a lot about a change of how he's enjoying a change of scenery from LA, enjoying the food of Portland, the nature. But he's also been thriving due to the confidence instilled in him by Billups. Remember, Billups was an assistant with the LA Clippers last season when Winslow joined the team. That's where they first got to know each other. And Billups has been a big believer in Winslow ever since. Hart has a team option on his contract this summer. The Blazers are certainly bound to pick that up, but he's made abundantly clear either way that he wants to stay with the Blazers long-term. Brandon Williams grew up idolizing Chauncey Billups, even playing with him in 2K, and he's often talked about how special it is to for his first NBA experience to come under one of his childhood idols. Then there's Dame, believing in the process of not just rebuilding on the fly, but doing so with Billups riding shotgun along with him. How many other superstars with as much clout as Dame would have blanched at Chauncey leading a rebuild after the results this season? It speaks to Dame's overall mindset with regard to wielding power in Portland, but also just how much he believes in Billups already and Chauncey's ability to keep getting better as he gets more reps on the sideline. I remember Billups talked so much, so much about accountability and putting an address on mistakes during training camp in the preseason. We've finally seen the Blazers do that over the last six weeks, even as they've struggled. They're constantly communicating on the floor, helping each other and working through mistakes. One of the things I've liked most about Chauncey's performance this season despite the Blazers really being unable to get stops there in the bottom five defensive teams in the NBA. But it's not because they've been afraid to try different things on that side of the ball. Portland has been mixing in 2-3 zone ever since the first couple weeks of the season. They've even sometimes pulled out a three-quarter press as a change-up against certain teams, most, mostly against teams that lack a lack an experienced ball handler or lack multiple ball handlers who could easily beat that press. Chauncey obviously wants to play up in pick and roll defensively, emphasize help and helping the helper and overall activity, but he's also shown a willingness to change the scheme to drop depending on opponent. There were a few games in, in mid-November, uh, early December, for instance, in which Yusuf Nurkic was playing a more conservative drop style, uh, the one that Terry Stotts popularized in Portland and Again, just had the Blazers gashed, certainly the last two or three years. And another thing, Billups has not been, has not been afraid to play with matchups and thinking outside the box. For instance, C.J. Ellaby and Kelgen Blevins guarded Carl Anthony Towns 
in Saturday's game instead of Drew Eubanks and Trendon Watford. And that carries over from Portland's earlier matchups with Minnesota this season when Chauncey stuck Robert Covington and Larry Nance on cat rather than Yusuf Nurkic. They stashed Yusuf Nurkic on Jared Vanderbilt, just like they did Eubanks and Watford in Saturday's game. Another thing is that the Blazers will do is they will ignore shooters away from the ball to muck up spacing and also go under on iffy shooters and pick and roll. Just little strategic game plan, opponent-specific adjustments that we're really lacking under Terry Stotts. We are certainly seeing under Chauncey Billups. Variety is absolutely key in the NBA, and the Blazers are finally playing with it. And they're not just doing that defensively. They're also running a, they're also running a lot less pick and roll under Chauncey. They're 14th in pick and roll frequency this season at 17.3%. That's down from 20.5% last season, and that ranked sixth, 20 and 23.7% in 2019-20, which ranked second in the NBA. The Blazers are getting out getting out more in transition, especially of late. Chauncey talked during the preseason a lot about the importance of pitching the ball ahead and pushing the ball up the floor at every available opportunity to play early in the shot clock and play against a scrambling defense rather than get bogged into half-court offense. And the Blazers have really done a good job of that here over the last month or so. Josh Hart, just a singular transition engine, as we've, as, as we've discussed a lot on this show. Uh, he's been really good there, but even Anthony Simons has gotten much better pushing the ball up the floor. We've seen that from Justice Winslow. Uh, Brandon Williams as well has, has been has been has been doing that of late. The other thing the Blazers are doing when they do get bogged down in the half court is they've really made an emphasis on getting the ball from side to side, going from good shots to great shots. We're seeing more and more of that of late. The Blazers really pinging the ball, making the defense move, and playing out of advantage situations. That is how a team's whole becomes greater than the sum of its parts, which, <laughs> let's face it, the Blazers, it's the only way they're going to win playing with the personnel they're playing with right now. Another thing that Chauncey harp harped on a lot during the preseason is getting rim pressure. And that hasn't quite materialized to the extent he would have liked. Portland is getting just 39.8 drives per game this season. That's fourth last in the NBA. However, on the bright side, that's up from last or second to last in each of the last three seasons. And those 39.8 drives per game represent a bigger total than it than any other season for Portland since at least 2013-14, the farthest NBA.com's tracking data goes back. Chauncey's fingerprints are all over this team, basically, even if wins and losses aren't necessarily showing it. Focus on finding them, find, and finding Chauncey's fingerprints, finding his influence, finding his impact over the season's remainder as Portland continues trotting out lineups that will thankfully be long gone come 22-23. Look at how the Blazers are playing, how intense they are, how often they're talking defensively, how many loose balls they get to first, and what they're doing schematically on both ends as evidence of this team's collective growth. Otherwise, focus on individual strides of players that will definitely be here next season or could be making a play for a roster or rotation spot over the next five weeks. That's what we'll be discussing in the next segment of the show, what we've seen from the Blazers' more, and more anonymous additions recently. And given the belief in, in and respect they have for Billups, don't be surprised if these guys take major strides between now and next season, just as they have recently. We're going to take a quick break before getting into some of the Blazers' bit players in the next half of the show. This is Talking Trailblazers. We'll be right back.
All right, we are back with Talking Trailblazers. And in the last half of this week's show, I want to discuss some of the other guys, some of the new guys that Portland has brought in here over the last couple of weeks. Um, and then also some incumbent players who the Blazers may very well be forced to rely on next season or who they may want to rely on, uh, depending how well they play over the season's remainder. Now, after signing Trendon Watford to a four-year hinky special contract a couple weeks ago, the Blazers now just have seven up from six at least, seven guaranteed contracts hitting into next season. That group doesn't include Josh Hart, who will definitely have his $12 million team option picked up, or Anthony Simons, who recently reiterated that he's fully intent on re-signing with Portland and restricted free agency this summer. It also doesn't include Yusuf Nurkic, but all signs point to the Blazers re-signing him in free agency. Letting Nurk walk would likely leave Portland without the necessary cap space to find a starting caliber replacement for him, and plus, Nurk was just really, really good on both sides of the ball in the last few weeks before he was sidelined, looking every bit a starting caliber center and really the type of guy who could help Portland, uh, you know, reach reach levels they've struggled to reach here over the last half decade. Uh, so make that 10 players currently slated for next season's team, but unfortunately for the Blazers, only five of those guys, Lillard, Simons, Hart, Nasir Little, and Nurkic are guaranteed a rotation spot. Even Justice Winslow, impressive as he was before the All-Star break, could be on the outside looking in at regular minutes depending on how the offseason unfolds. Portland will no doubt spend most of its efforts this summer trying to fortify their wing rotation, whether via multiple lottery picks, well, at least if the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, led by C.J. McCollum now, along with Brandon Ingram, at least if at least if they cooperate by losing a few games and missing the playoffs, or impact trades to fortify that wing rotation. But the Blazers will obviously need other players to fill out the roster as well, and perhaps even earn a spot at the bottom of the rotation. Watford has the best chance to do that among currently active players who aren't already earmarked for a rotation spot. He's coming off the two best games of his career, 13 points, 7 rebounds, and 6 assists against the Phoenix Suns, then 12 points, 14 rebounds, and 5 assists for his first career double-double in the first leg against Minnesota on Saturday. Those numbers are actually pretty indicative of Watford's burgeoning two-way versatility as well. We highlighted a couple impressive possessions he had guarding Ja Morant as a switch defender before the All-Star break, and he's recently begun showing off perimeter comfort on the other side of the ball. Watford hit two threes against the Suns and told Brooke Olsendam that the coaching staff is encouraging him to launch from three with abandon. There may not be a bigger swing factor in Watford's overall development than his long-range shooting ability. If he can make defenses respect him, he'll be in the league for a long, long time. One of the reasons why is because he has such natural feel as a passer and overall playmaker. He's done far more work on the ball of late, not just running dribble handoffs and initiating offense from the elbows, but also even grabbing defensive rebounds and pushing the ball in transition. He did that <clears throat> did that several times against Minnesota on Saturday, even twice getting fouled, just straight rake takes, just trending Watford, just going to the rim. And there just aren't many bigs Watford sides who are, who are as comfortable with the ball as he is. He obviously still needs to get much stronger and can be taken advantage of defensively. Towns roasted him, absolutely roasted him. And it's, all, and it's also worth noting that the Blazers probably would have kept Watford on Towns if he wasn't if he wasn't just getting abused rather than go to Ellaby and Blevins. But either way, Watford's recent play makes him worthy of a long look at a real role come training camp in the fall. 
Brandon Williams also really, really impressed against Minnesota. He poured in a career-high 21 points on 9 of 14 shooting, including 2 of 5 from 3. What really, really flashed for Williams was just his overall burst and creativity with the ball uh, as, a, as, a, as a ball handler, playmaker, and finisher. He roasted Nas Reed from the left wing on a switch for a layup, and a couple possessions later, working as a PNR ball handler, a quick in-and-out dribble, wrong-footed Carl Anthony Towns, and then Williams rose for a same foot and one finish. Very, very impressive finish for a player his size there. And then late clock in the third quarter, he crossed Jordan, Mc Jordan McLaughlin as Ben McLemore was flying off screens on the weak side of the floor. Just some great awareness uh, in the late clock situation attacking McLaughlin's high foot to get a layup that wasn't called. That was just that was just Brandon Williams sensing the game, making a play for himself, and it was the right one. But he has to have the burst and the touch and the finishing ability to do it, and he showed that from the opening tip against Minnesota. Now, Williams is a bit undersized, but he really fights defensively and has good instincts. The jumper will be on most of the sides, whether he sticks in Portland and the league at large, but he's already shown plenty of skill with the ball to make the Blazers potentially want to hang on to him beyond this season. The last player we'll discuss is Keon Johnson, who also shined on Saturday against Minnesota. The 19-year-old rookie tied his career high with 15 points, including three of five from three, all of which came from the wing, not that short corner. His release looks still looks consistent, if a bit elongated. But what's what's been most impressive is that Johnson has some clearly has some soft touch. A couple of his makes even hit the rim before falling through. He also showed off his unreal explosiveness on a swooping finger roll around Carl Anthony Towns, and I love that he caught that he caught the ball from Simons and immediately attacked off the catch. Just catching and immediately putting his foot in the ground and getting getting downhill, taking advantage of the, of the defense overloading toward Ant. Remember, Johnson is just 19 and has been described as very raw, but you certainly can't tell it watching him play. He just has great feel for the game, didn't force anything, and he consistently made the extra pass against Minnesota. He's a quick decision maker with the ball, and he also found Ant for multiple catch-and-shoot threes with simple chess passes as the defense moved. He's just always, always looking to make a quick decision, and that's what Portland needs, not just from every player on the roster, but especially more ancillary players, uh, the guys who will be filling in around Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons. Keon Johnson looks like he could be that type of player, especially because he also looked comfortable bringing the ball up under pressure, getting Portland into sets with Anthony Simons working off the ball. Now, I wasn't the only one impressed with Keon Johnson's performance, Chauncey was too. Let's go to his post-game audio. I, I thought today was Keon's best game with, with us. Um, and it wasn't just because he made some shots, you know. Um, he was in the right spots defensively. You know, I think he started to pick our stuff up a little bit better. He was aggressive. He was getting to the basket. Um, you know, he's a phenomenal athlete. And I said, if you, you know, if you just shoot jumpers the whole time, nobody can see athleticism. Getting to the paint a little bit, you know. Um, and I thought it was his best game with us. Anyone still listening by this point knows that wins won't be coming for, for the Blazers over the season's remainder, and they definitely won't be playing into late April and early May for the first time in nearly a decade. But that's all the more reason to really home in on Portland's individual players right now as one of the most conse consequential off-seasons in team history awaits. That is going to do it for us this week. 
can find all my work on the Blazers at Clutch Points and follow me on Twitter at Armstrong Winter. Thanks so much for listening to Talking Trailblazers. We will catch you next week.